0: just visit the App Store and search for our app at Bayside Chapel of NJ. Also, if God is using this ministry to bless you, we'd like to give you the opportunity to partner with us financially. Simply go online to baysidechapel.org or use the Bayside Chapel app and choose whatever option works best for you. Enjoy today's message. Well, look at that. One of our Advent candles went out. They're supposed to be too lit. This is the second sunday of advent so we lit the candle of hope last week or the candle of promise and this week we light the candle uh, of peace and that reminds us that jesus is the prince of peace but also that it's through his work on our behalf that we have peace with god one of the things i really enjoy about this time of the year is to see so many people decorate their homes with lights and so I've shown you some of these pictures in the past. This is a house on Mermaid in uh, Ocean Acres back here. Uh, they, they have this amazing light display every year. Not quite Clark Griswold, but on the way. And uh, just, you know, lights on the house everywhere and all these things in the yard. It's, it's really worth uh, a drive over to Mermaid and see this house. My all-time favorite house in Ocean Acres, however, was this house on Breakers. Uh, really tastefully done, nicely lit up. They're not doing it this year quite as elaborately. So if you go down Breakers, you're not going to see it like this. Uh, and I don't blame them because, boy, to put up all those lights must have taken hours and hours. Now, if you go around the corner, it's 100, uh, 152 sea spray. There, there's this house. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for laughing at my house, Vinny. Very, very humble in comparison to a lot of other light displays, just some simple garlands you know, on the windowsills and a nice lighted wreath on the door. Uh, you, you notice there's nothing hung any higher uh, than, you know, it doesn't require getting on a ladder is what I'm trying to say. And that's not because I'm getting old, it's because I hate ladders. I just don't like getting on ladders. And so Diane graciously says we can decorate everything, you know, at a height that doesn't require a ladder. Now, the part of our light display that I really like, however, is the manger scene over here. Uh, This was a a set that we picked up years ago, white translucent plastic that lights from the inside, and it kind of glows, and so when you come around the corner onto our street, you can't help but see this, uh, this display of the manger scene. The lights of Christmas in general, and the light radiating from our manger scene in particular, reminds me of our passage for today, Uh, It's a passage that talks about Jesus as the unquenchable light coming into our sin-darkened world. You may remember as we started the series in John's Gospel, we talked last week about how the first theme that John takes up is that of Jesus as the unrecognized creator who enables us to become children of God. And in that passage, you remember the first few verses said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. We don't often think of Jesus as, as the Creator, who then came into His creation and was not recognized, was not received by even His own people. Well, today's passage takes up yet another theme, looking at Jesus from another angle, this time looking at Jesus as the unquenchable light coming into our sin-darkened world. And so John goes on in, in John chapter 1, verses 4 through 9, our passage for today, to say, "...in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John." He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. I don't know about you, but this world seems like a a very dark place at times, and seems to be getting darker all the time. But our passage for today gives us hope, like light shining in the darkest night, And the coming of that light confronts every one of us with a choice and how we respond to the coming of that light will determine not only how we live our life but where we will spend eternity this is the second week of our three-part series that we've called special delivery the meaning of christmas through the eyes of john Because whereas Matthew and Luke tell the Christmas story in a particular way, they tell it about a sequence of events and the people and the places, uh, all of which uh, led up to Christmas, Uh, John tells a story in a very different way. Whereas the others talk about the delivery of the package, John wants us to talk about what was in the package. Uh, and, And like that one who receives a special delivery and can't wait to get the package inside and open it up to see what is in it, John helps us understand this one who was born in Bethlehem and laid in that manger. And so, as we have said, we're going to develop these three themes over these three weeks. Jesus as the unrecognized creator who empowers us to become children of God. Today we're looking at Jesus as the unquenchable light coming into our sin-darkened world. And next week we'll end the series by talking about how Jesus is the unique son who reveals the very nature of God. Now let's consider today what it means for Jesus to be unquenchable light and the choice that that then confronts each of us uh, to, to make. There are a few contrasts greater than the contrast between light and darkness, right? I mean, in the light, we can see where to go. In the darkness, we stumble around. In the light, we feel safe. In the darkness, we wonder what might be lurking there that could harm us those in the light have nothing to hide uh, while those who come out at night usually are up to no good and so light for us symbolizes what is good and truthful and beneficial while the darkness symbolizes what is evil and false and harmful we associate light with god and darkness with the evil one in isaiah's prophecy the coming of messiah he said in isaiah 9 verse 2 the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them light has shone. in the 700 years before the time of jesus you know isaiah prophesied that the coming of messiah would be like light shining into the dark place that israel had become and now on the other side of jesus death and resurrection john points back to jesus and said He's the one Isaiah was talking about. He's the light coming into the world. He's the one who who shined his light in that dark place of this one who was with God in the beginning, this one through whom God made everything. John says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. In whom was life? Well, in the one who's the subject of verses one through three, the word, the one who is the perfect expression of God, that one who has always been, who was there in the beginning with God when God went to work creating, that one through whom God created everything that was made. In him was life. And so it's not you know, kind of surprising that he would have life, but I think that John is saying even more than that, not just that he had life, but that in him is life. He's the one in whom... We all find life. He's the source of life. He is the giver of life to everyone who has life, as Paul would put it in 1 Corinthians 8, verse 6. He's the one through whom we exist. And this life was the light of men. We associate life with light just as we associate darkness with death. But I think John is saying something even more than that here. He's saying that the kind of life the Son of God has and gives to us is is life that would be compared to light it's the best kind of life you can have it's full of love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control it's the kind of life jesus himself would live if jesus were to walk in our shoes The kind of life he has, the kind of life he has to give is light personified. It's life lived right out in the open with nothing to hide in the sunshine of God's grace. A beautiful life as God means for us to really live it. Life to the full. As Jesus himself would go on to say in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. And so John says here in chapter 1, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. Well, what happens when someone actually lives that kind of life among people where the light has been snuffed out by sin? Uh, What happens when you bring a bright light into a place where people are accustomed to living in darkness? That's what happened when Jesus came into the world, when God the Son took on human flesh and became a man, What happens when the one who is life comes to live among those who are spiritually dead? What happens when the one who is the purest of light shines on those who have only ever known darkness? Well, John goes on at verse 5 to say, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, translators disagree on whether this verse should be translated. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not comprehended it, understood it, or whether it should say the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The problem is that the Greek word can mean both of those things, either comprehended or or overcome. And both of those senses make good sense of the sentence. And so it's hard for translators to decide. To say that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not comprehended it it gives the sense that they were so used to darkness that they didn't just get Jesus. They, they couldn't understand what he was about. They were so accustomed to darkness and he was so bright that they just averted their eyes. They found him annoying. They just didn't get him. And so it might say that, but it's more likely that it's really saying the dark, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Kind of like when you're, asleep and someone turns on a bright light in the dark room where you are and and you're inclined to say shut it off or if you're you're standing in the dark and somebody shines a flashlight right in your eyes you're likely to swat it away you're opposed to the light you want the light to be rid of well I think in light of the fact that this is how John most often uses the word that it's likely that that's the sense of it And isn't that how the people of Jesus' day responded to him? When the corrupt religious leaders of the day were confronted with true righteousness in the person of Jesus? When the true light of God exposed their sin and shone in their eyes? They tried to overcome it, to kill it, to obliterate it, to be done with it. And they thought for a couple of days, one Passover, that they had. But they were wrong. More about that later later. But isn't it amazing what john packs into this one little sentence the light shines in the darkness but the darkness has not overcome it the light proved to be unquenchable the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it john wants us to know that the coming of this life was so that light was so important that god sent a messenger ahead of him to prepare for his arrival And that messenger was John the Baptist. He speaks of of John's ministry in verses 6 through 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the the light. So the apostle John tells us several important things about the other John, John the Baptist. To begin with, he was sent by God on a mission. He was a man with a mission from on high. Secondly, that he was not the light. And John the Baptist himself was clear about that. So when religious authorities asked him, well, who are you? He said, I'm not, I'm not the Christ, if that's what you're thinking. And then they said, well, then if you're not the Christ, who are you? He said, I am the one sent to prepare the way for the Lord. The one the prophets talked about who would come before Messiah to prepare the way for him. As John puts it here in his gospel, the Baptist came to bear witness about the light so that all might believe through the light, not through him. And that's what John did. He pointed everybody to the light. And so there was that one occasion when Jesus was walking by the Jordan River and John pointed to him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away this of the world. He's the one I've been talking about. He's the one you want to follow. He's the one who can take your sin away. He's the one I have come to, point, uh, to prepare the way for. And on another occasion, John told two of his own disciples, don't follow me, follow him. He's the one you want. I must decrease. He must increase. John carried out his ministry of pointing to the light with perfection. He understood what God had sent him to do. The light came into the world john the baptizer pointed people to the light and john the gospel writer sums up that critical moment in history that moment we know as christmas when he says in verse 9 the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world the coming of jesus was the coming of true light he wasn't a counterfeit light he wasn't a fake he was the true light in him was life life to the full the light of men and nothing can make the lights come on for someone like the life only he can give and so is it any wonder that his arrival was accompanied by displays of light so for instance when the shepherds were in their fields keeping watch over their flocks by night it says what the glory of the lord shone around them and they were terrified until the angel said fear not i bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all people For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. All of that was accompanied by this amazing shining of the glory of the Lord all around that shepherd's field that night. And it was very likely that same night that far away in the east, magi observed the appearance of a brilliant light in the sky, a star announcing the birth of of the king of the Jews, beckoning them to come to Jerusalem to find him and to worship him there. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. As Isaiah put it, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And as Jesus would say of himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light. Of life and that's why at Christmas time we sing "O little town of Bethlehem how still we see thee lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight Jesus is the unquenchable light coming into our sin darkened world the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now the important thing I want to help you understand today is that the coming of that light confronts every one of us who live in this world with a choice. What, do you, what you choose to do in response to the coming of the light will mean everything from how you live the rest of your life to where you'll spend eternity. And there are basically only two options. You can either oppose the light, or you can follow the light. Yeah, you can oppose the light if you want to, like others have done down through the centuries, like the religious leaders did in Jesus' own day. You can oppose the light. Verse 5 says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, that implies that the darkness, those who prefer to stay in the darkness try to overcome the light, or they have tried, and and they continue to try to overcome the light, but they have failed. They fail every time. The light is unquenchable. They nailed the light to a Roman cross in an attempt to permanently extinguish it. But at dawn on the third day, the light of day revealed an empty tomb, and the darkness could not overcome the light. And yet still to this very day, some choose to oppose the light jesus said i am the light of the world whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life but you realize that that statement on jesus part implies that there's a choice you can follow him or not follow him your choice not everyone will choose to follow jesus but will continue to walk in the darkness and jesus knew that would be the case and he even gave an explanation for why people would choose darkness over light In Job chapter 3, verse 19, he says, and this is the judgment, the light has come into the world. The people and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. There is a website called the Experience Project where people were invited to write little essays about life experiences and, and one of the uh, exercises was entitled, uh, I prefer darkness over light. And people were in- invited to respond to that and give their own experiences. There was a young woman who uh, wrote in. She went by the screen name Beyond Repair, which should tell you something. And she offered a particularly honest and insightful response She wrote, I prefer darkness over light. The darkness allows me to hide, hide who I am and what I truly feel. In the light, all things have a chance to be revealed. Darkness makes it easier to hide. In the darkness, you cannot see what's coming next. The darkness is a place where you can lose yourself. Lost in the dark is a great place to be because then you're free from what you were and you can be what you want. The darkness is bliss. Jesus said, Yeah, some will prefer darkness to light. Everyone who does wicked things will hate the light. You can make the choice to oppose the light if you want to. But Jesus said in Matthew 8 and verse 12 that those who do so will be thrown into the outer darkness, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus doesn't want that for you, He doesn't want that for anybody. Jesus longs for all to join him in in a brightly lit wedding banquet hall where he will be uh, uh, united with all who belong to him. But those who choose darkness will be granted their wish permanently. Hell is pictured here as outer darkness, a place not where there's a party going on, but a place where there's only weeping and gnashing of teeth, a total, complete, and permanent separation from God. Some choose darkness and oppose the light. And if that's you today, I urge you to repent before it's too late. Repentance is is to make an about face. Instead of turning your back to God and walking away from Him toward outer darkness, repentance means you turn to Him instead. You turn to God and the salvation He offers you in Christ. The salvation that Jesus won for you when he gave his life on the cross to pay for your sins and rose from the dead so that you can have new life in him. Turn to the salvation God offers you in Christ. I urge you to come into the light. Put your faith and trust in the one in whom is life, the light of men. Life as God always meant for it to be lived, out in the open, under the sunshine of God's grace. Yeah, you can oppose the light. Or you can follow the light, that's the other choice, the choice I'm urging you to make today. As Jesus said, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Oppose the light and you'll continue to walk in darkness. Follow Jesus and you'll never walk in darkness again, but will have the light of life. And so the choice is yours. Stay in the darkness, and stumble about, follow Jesus, and see clearly where to go. Stay in the darkness and keep trying to hide your sin, or follow Jesus, and live life to the full, out in the open. Stay in the darkness that leads to death, and, and ultimately to outer darkness, or follow Jesus and live eternally with God. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Many people report, and I've heard a lot of you here at Bayside say, that when you put your faith and trust in Christ, it was like the lights went on for you. All of a sudden, you began to see things in a different way. You began to look at life from a different perspective, and you began to understand things you never understood before. Can anybody give testimony to that today? That when you put your trust in Christ, the lights came on? i just love what c.s lewis says in this regard he says i believe in christianity as i believe the sun has risen not only because i see it but because by it i see everything else those who follow the light not only begin to live life as it was always meant to be lived a life lived to the full out in the open in the sunshine of god's grace but with that comes a responsibility. And that responsibility is to point others to the light. That's the responsibility that John the Baptist really understood and lived up to. That man who came as a witness to bear witness about the light that others might believe through him, knowing that he wasn't the light, but he came to bear witness to the light. Well, John understood well his special mission to point people to the light in Jesus' day. But just as God the Father commissioned John himself to carry out that mission, so Jesus has commissioned all of us as his followers to help others find their way to Jesus and to follow him into the light. And some of those who need for us to do that for them we will find living right under our own roof. There's a story that author Paul David Tripp tells about a weekend when his son asked for permission to spend the weekend at a friend's house and, and Trip knew the family and said, okay, yeah, you can do that. Well, it was partway through the weekend that they got a phone call from that friend's mother saying that uh, you probably think your son is staying at our house this weekend, right? Yeah, that's what we were told. Well, she said, that's not the truth. My son was feeling guilty about uh, covering for Your son, and he just told me what has happened and how you are led to believe that he's at our home, but he's not here. Uh, Tripp thanked the woman for bringing that to his attention. And then he began to seethe inside. And as he told his wife what his son had done and how he had deceived them, he said, my wife could feel my anger. And she said to me, you need to go pray. And he said, I, I'm so angry at him right now. I don't know that I can pray for him. And she said, no, I, I didn't mean that you should pray for him. I mean you need to pray for yourself. And so he said, I went to my bedroom to pray for God's help. And it hit me that because of his love, God had already begun a work of rescue in my son's life. God was the one who pressed in on the conscience of my son's friend, causing him to confess to his mom. God was the one who gave her the courage to make that difficult call to me, and God was the one giving me time to get hold of myself before my son came home. Now, rather than wanting to rip into my son, I wanted to be part of what God, this God of grace, was doing in this moment of rebellion, deception, hurt, and disappointment. And so he gave him a couple of hours when the son returned to settle in and relax, and then he went to his son's room and he said, "Uh, Can we talk? He said, uh, do you ever think about how much God loves you? And his son said, yeah, sometimes. And Tripp said, well, do you ever think how much God's grace operates in your life every day? His son looked at him kind of puzzled. And then Tripp went on to say, do you know how much God's grace was working in your life even this weekend? And his son said, who told you? He went on to say, You have lied, or you have lived your life in the light. You have made good choices. You've been an easy son to parent, but this weekend you took a step toward the darkness. You can live in the darkness if you want. You can learn to lie and deceive. You can use your friends as your cover. You can step over God's boundaries. Or you can determine to live in God's light. I'm pleading with you. Don't live in the darkness live in the light. He says, as I turned away, I heard his voice from behind me say, Dad, don't go. And as I turned around with tears in his eyes, he said, Dad, I want to live in the light, but it's so hard. Will you help me? If you follow Jesus and live in his light, recognize that one of your chief responsibilities now is to point others to that light. But also recognize that some of those who need you to do that for them most of all live right under your own roof. How much better it is to walk in the light rather than in the darkness. Jesus is the unquenchable light coming into our sin-darkened world. Oppose the light if you want to, but doing so puts you at risk of the permanent pain of outer darkness. I urge you, I urge you today to follow Jesus instead, and you will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Will you bow with me in an attitude of prayer? I just want us to take a moment to let some of this sink in and and to think about where we've been we all have the choice to follow Jesus and live in the light or to go our own way and try to hide in the darkness. And as you think about the choices you've made in life, maybe you have to admit to yourself today that you know what, you pretty much you know, maybe pretend to live in the light, but you pretty much live in the darkness. You know you're living in the darkness if you find that you've got things to hide, that you find it hard to be in God's Word, to pray, to be in fellowship with God's people. You'd rather avoid all that and kind of be to yourself or to be with other people who are in the dark It's more comfortable for you you know one of the things I want to say is uh, how's that working out for you people who live in the dark who avoid God who try to to kind of keep it on the down low and and stay out of the light well there's a lot of a lot of confusion there, a lot of fear there, things that lurk in the dark, uncertainty about, about where to go in life. I'm praying today that you'll finally get sick of all that and say, you know what, this just isn't working. I want to follow Jesus. I want the life He has for me. I want to be able to live my life out in the open with nothing to fear, in the sunshine of God's grace. You know, to get there is really a matter of surrender. It's a matter of saying, Lord Jesus, right here, right now, I, I quit hiding. I confess my sin. As embarrassed as I would be for anybody to find it out, I, I confess it before you because. I don't want to hide anymore. I don't want darkness anymore. I want, I want you. I want the life, the light that only you can give me. It's my prayer for you is that in this moment, you'll say yes to Jesus. To say, Lord Jesus, I want you to come into my life and, and wash me clean. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and shedding your blood so that I could be forgiven of my sin I want you to not only forgive my sin I want you to take my sin to set me free I want to begin walking in your light in, in, in a way that is that life to the full that only you can give Now if that's the desire of your heart today there's something I'd like you to do before you leave because I don't want this moment just to pass and, and kind of then go to the wind I want you to really start walking with Jesus today. And so to help you with that, we have a booklet we'd like to give you before you leave. You'll notice in either foyer, whether the main foyer or the west foyer, that you'll see a great big green banner that says yes on it. And there'll be somebody standing by the banner, just go up to them and say, I'm saying yes, or I said yes. And they'll give you this booklet saying yes to a relationship with Jesus. We want you to take that with you because it reinforces what we're talking about here today and talks about your first steps in following Jesus and walking in the light. But, but they'll also have information about a class we're going to offer after first of the year that, that kind of teaches some of the basics about what it means to follow Jesus and, and to walk in the light. And so I urge you, if, if God has convicted you today, to come out of the dark and and come into the light of His grace, I want you to stop at the green banner and tell the person there, I said yes, so that we can help you get this walk with Jesus going. Father, how grateful we are that God the Eternal Son laid aside the glories of heaven to come into this sin-darkened world as, as the most perfect of lights. And Lord, I pray that we would choose to follow Jesus, that we might walk in his wonderful light, that we would shine that light and bring him glory. And it's in his name that we pray, amen.